0: I guess if you go to bed tired, exhausted because you can't do anything more, then it's good to be that busy, right? Thursday already, March tenth, 2022. I'm Steven Sierski, Thanks for joining me. This here is my daily audio podcast, a shorter version a short version of uh what's going on. Things I do every day here in Beijing, China. In the, uh, I don't know, life and times of a working traveler as I've normally described it to other people. And I refer to this, you know, going to bed. I'm not sure what you guys do in your preparation to get to bed and how much time you need to wind down. But lately, I'll tell you, I haven't been able to wind down until like after 10 p.m. Especially with this March motion challenge that I got today I was working on one, the the glitch effect or at least one there's several different glitch variations out there and this one uh... was very easy to follow, there's a simple video making tutorial that they had online from the people called simple video making and I was following along with it but again as is so often the case when I do these things Right near the end, they throw in one little well, you could try this, and then it screws up the whole project. And then you spend an hour trying to fix the blade thing, you're like, oh I just could have done it again. For a four minute video tutorial, I mean it I just finished put the finishing touches on the thing uh, right now and I started a couple hours ago. Um, but that it's a it's a neat tutorial. I did learn a little bit more about how to uh use it to create this sort of effect. This one's kind of really crazy. Uh, if I would to do it again, I think I would make it a little more subtle. Because when you think glitch, uh, it's like, you know, it's a little tick across the screen or something like that, not the, the crazy stuff that this one does, but uh, it complete with sound uh, sound effects and everything, so it's kind of neat, uh, I just did a little opening logo for my uh, podcast, Steven Sersky Podcast, uh, so I'll pop that up shortly, if I don't get it up tonight, then I will uh, definitely have it up tomorrow, that was the only one I was able to get done today, uh, simply because it just took much longer than I thought it would. Uh, tomorrow I will be able to play catch-up, and then also on Saturday I believe I'm available and free, so I'll be able to do quite a bit, quite a few things, including the Chinese homework that I never did finish for last week, right? Uh, well, I do have Chinese class this uh, this coming week, uh, this coming Sunday, and I'll tell you, it's uh, I've been slacking. I have been, uh, mostly because... Uh, it's getting easier for one, so there's not as much of a struggle or a push to really get through everything. I can already feel, though, that the what I'm, I'm procrastinating against is actually sitting down to write out all of the Chinese characters, um, but not just write them out, write out sentences. This is something I've been putting off that I have to start addressing sooner than later, if I want to take this HSK5 test within the next couple of months, because I'm going to be doing the paper-based version, not the computer one, which means I can't just know the romanization or you know what the word sounds like and then type it out in English, in English letters, Latin letters, but instead, I'm going to have to know how to write them, and that's what I want to focus on. So. I've got a couple of ideas on how to actually approach this. Uh, Dictations is one. Number two, I thought it'd be good to possibly find some simple news, uh, Chinese stories, uh, Chinese news reports and things like that, and then work with those, like recite them, try to read them out loud, and then write down what I read, like a summary of it, so... I would read it in Chinese, I would summarize it out loud and then not looking at the uh, the report, I would then try to write one or two sentences based on what I I read. Other than that, the only other way that I know of is like to uh, like actually just sit down and start th- thinking of creative things to say, but the problem with doing that is that you stymie yourself because you you think uh, in your, your first language, and you're like, well, I don't know how to say that, and so you spend a lot of time looking through the dictionaries, now, luckily, Chinese isn't an inflected language like Russian is, where you're looking up not just the word, but then how to decline the thing in the proper uh, location, but you're looking up how to write the letter, uh, the character all the time, so one simple, the simplest thing that I should and could be doing are the dictation exercises, so you listen to, uh, Uh, simplified Chinese and the the website I go to is hskreading.com that is the one that uh, where I start I do a a lot of uh, where I I go through a lot of the uh, simple Chinese they're two or like a minute two minutes that's it it's uh, not very much so in that case it's is very good for that practice I, I read it once I listen to it and then I uh, listen to it. I read it again. I listen to it again, like so, two or three times. And then I only listen to it. I cover up the text and I write down what I hear. It's a good exercise. You feel your brain changing. You literally feel your brain changing as your brain is drawing out the character, and then you you see your handwriting it as well. It's it's a very bizarre birthing effect almost is what I kind of I have to call it uh it's it, it's kind of bizarre in that way in that uh but it is very mentally taxing and I'm looking at these uh like a couple days ago I said I was working on real Chinese I was reading text messages and I was trying to do it again today because so I get this text message and I'm like okay let's just read this instead of copy translating right and I'm looking at it going ah. Oh, This is taking so long to read these 10 characters, and I don't know what they mean together. Something about Yonghu, you know, user, right? So that is something to uh, keep me entertained, I guess. Of all things, so today, actually, since I wasn't studying Chinese, I'm actually not too disappointed because, as I mentioned before I was working on this delta, uh, this delta material, for a diploma of English language teaching for adults or of adults, and I was reading through this one. I guess it's a glossary or an encyclopedia. It's the A to Z, A to Z, uh, of E L T. So it's by Scott Thon- Scott Thornbury, uh, and it's one of the books that you're supposed to read if you take this course. So I've been taking this uh, with me to work, uh, and reading through it and it's actually it is fascinating to read the definitions of all the things that are involved in ELT and all he does is give you you know what is audiolingualism what is grammar what is uh, the ing verbs what are what's formulaic language things like this where some of these things you would be aware of but some a lot like if you're not in the ELT sphere you won't have any clue what these things mean and he talks about this I mean it's like you know this is this, is, this book is the jargon of the ELT industry. There you go. So I read this, and of all the things I went through today, let's see, I went through it one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven. Eleven different definitions. Uh, now it sounds like a lot. I took notes on four of them because again, my brain was like, like, oh my goodness, this is changing my brain. I actually have to remember what these things mean. There are 376 definitions and entries in this book. So if you divide that by like five a day, you get like, what, 60 days or so, roughly? Maybe 60, 70 days up there. Uh, So two and a half, three and a half months, which is what the Delta Module 1 usually takes. Now, this is just one book. This is the definitions book. This isn't the grammar book. And I can tell you, if there's one thing that students, clients think, believe that they need to work on the most, it's grammar. And so I was reading about grammar today. Grammar, grammaring, and grammar teaching. So these are all different, it all deals with grammar. The idea being that there are a couple of different approaches to, uh, or different views of how language should be taught is Grammar is like, does the body, does the brain, does the human mind have a natural capacity for grammar, or does it develop it as the body grows? Noam Chomsky talks about this, and I think it was sort of settled that we do have an innate ability for grammar. So, language is a language, maybe not gene, but there's a spot in our brain that uh, conforms to the language sort of function. And so, what role does grammar play? in all of this, like, how do we, how do you, why are, why can you, as a, as a person who's born into one language with your mother tongue, you don't learn the grammar rules first, you learn vocabulary, and you don't even learn pronunciation first, you learn vocabulary with terrible pronunciation, with basically no sentence structure, uh, and very little coherence, so you're stuck with just vocabulary right that's all you're doing so at what point do you start figuring it out and so what this you know what all these different approaches to ELT like teaching English uh involve are like the variations of like well do you present the grammar first sort of like a presentation or do you test the students first uh, test teach test methodology or is it the uh was it presentation practice production so that's a PPP model and the PPP model is uh, the simple one that you give to new English ESL uh, teachers because it's just you know you present something you practice it you drill it basically and then you produce with it when production is your fluency stage and so in reading this book it also talks about fluency and how grammar is often associated with accuracy so being spot on. With your your sentence structure, your grammar, it's all perfect. The thing with the English language, though, is that it's such a mishmash of uh, development over time that it is very flexible in its grammar. You you, you can eliminate much of the sentence, of any sentence, and it could still make sense. It won't be as clear, but it will still make sense, especially if it's given to someone who was born and raised in that language, the so-called native language speakers, or naturalized speakers, right? The idea of fluency isn't so much that you are able to produce everything accurately uh, and with perfect pronunciation. The idea with fluency is actually more about, in real time, being able to function in the language, not have undue pauses in your speech, and this is, this is what this textbook is saying, this uh, this encyclopedia, and that you're able to respond uh, in an in appropriate manner with the appropriate sort of vocabulary, that w- which means like if you were to meet, you know, a government official or like, you know, a street sweeper or, you know, a waitress or uh, a waitstaff, you would know your fluency, part of fluency is knowing the different registers, the different types of language you can use with uh, some people and what you can't use with others. For example, if you go into the farmland you talk to farmers you're going to use one section of vocabulary same with truckers but if you're you know i don't know staff meeting at a university you might not talk like a trucker or a sailor you might talk a little bit more as if you read a few books uh, prior to the meeting of course that you actually did read the presentation notes even if you didn't so things like this with uh, the fluency and accuracy they they often get sort of Students think they need to work on one, and teachers find it easier to work on one, uh, so this has to be some sort of middle ground. With this grammar thing, so with all the how do you teach grammar? How do you, when you can hear your, your student making these mistakes, how do you help them fix this? So this is something that I'm uh, thinking about, that I'm working on, because lord knows if i had if i can do it just yet and i can tell you my chinese teacher is very good at this she can hear my errors and she goes okay you're making this mistake again now the more classes i have and the more i get used to one teacher i can sort of pick out how they are assessing my own language so i'm analyzing what they're analyzing And this, the reason I've been signing up for Russian classes, for Chinese classes, is because I'm looking at this going, this is going back to, if I want to replace myself as an English teacher, how do I do it? Well, I know kind of how to teach English. I've experienced Chinese lessons. Now I'm experiencing Russian lessons, and I'm seeing what sort of works and what doesn't work for an an adult learner. As, As much as you might think that I'm a child inside, I am very much not how do you fix someone's grammar. Well, guess what? It's not in this book. This book is just the definitions. The other essential reading book for this course is a big book of advanced grammar for English teachers, complete with exercises. Yay! And I haven't even started on that one yet. So, there goes that whole idea of like, oh, three months, I'll know all the definitions, ready for the test. Not a chance. There's a few other steps that are involved. I do want to focus on the definitions first, because that way, it's sort of the most basic step. It's the easiest one. Not only that, I can, with this podcast, I can sort of talk about it and sort of it'll get into my mind a little bit more. They're not horribly essential. Not only that... It, I mean, because if you're a teacher, you're not going to be standing up there thinking about all the, the, the syntax of your lang- of your lesson, like, oh, now we're going to have this part. It's called the warm-up, or we're going to do the PPP version. No, it's not. you're not going to do that. I mean, you're just going to go, hey, kids, did you do your homework? And all of them are going to say, no, except for the one smart girl. And you'll be like, all right, well, let's just look off of her work and have her explain what's going on, right? Isn't that how most ESL classes go these days? Moving on to the grammar, uh, that will happen in a little bit later on. Uh, but yeah, I want to focus on the definitions uh, just for now. Other than that, uh, Beijing's getting warmer, and it has me kind of wondering how they're doing all of this winter Olympic stuff. I'm not even sure when the Winter Olympics are over. To tell you the truth, uh, they are. They've been going on for the past couple, past week or so. And I'm not sure if uh, they end... They, they shouldn't end this week. They should end next week, I think. Paralympics. So when is this one? Uh should pop up here. March 13th. Oh, wow. It is ending this weekend. So it's only one week. Wow. Okay, I, th- I almost assumed... Oh, and look at the medal count. Oh, geez. I didn't, wasn't even paying attention to this. China is in first with thirty-two medals, Canada in second with sixteen, Ukraine in third with nineteen. The reason why China has ten golds, nine silvers, thirteen bronze. Canada has seven golds, two silver, seven bronze, and Ukraine six gold, eight silver, five bronze. Why do? I... Should I know why China has? So many more medals in this um, competition. Good question. Okay, so it's only a week until the Sunday, so it's over. Yeah, there's only six hundred athletes total, so uh, it's not as big as the uh, uh, the other Olympics, the uh, the more traditional ones. So uh, that's oh, wow, that's kind of crazy. I I was kind of wondering if it was going to be uh, another two weeks. The reason why is because it was like plus fourteen today. And kind of smoggy. So that being the case, I don't know how you can have like downhill skiing when it's plus 16. Not entirely sure, but yeah. giant Slalom. Slalom. It's going on tomorrow as well. There you go. Wheelchair curling. Parabiathlon. Snowboarding. Wow, so it's all tomorrow. Crazy. Cool. Well, good to see. Well, one of the ideas I had was actually to head over to the uh, Olympic... Uh, Forest park area to watch I'm, I'm assuming they're gonna have the closing ceremonies with fireworks and then we kind of need to be out there uh, to uh, see them if we get a chance if not then who knows we'll see yeah so that's uh, it's been pretty busy um not 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 bad busy it's just one of these things that you know. if I had more time would I be would I still be able to get it done I was thinking today a creative thought a day makes it interesting. <laughs> I'm just trying to come up with a witty uh, second line. A creative thought a day keeps boredom away sort of thing, right? Which is a good idea. And I've sort of realized that even like with books and any sort of day, as long as you have at least one good creative idea, you're like, hmm, I learned something. You know, the day's not so bad, right? Um, so that's... This kind of followed along. I have another note here scribbled realist realisticness, realism, the real reality of learning a language in three months. Yeah, because this is derived from my definitions of reading of the natural order of acquisition, um, the be- behavioralism and humanistic approach of all these things. So that was going on in my mind. Yeah, so today was basically just reading about ESL terminology. Uh, and uh, studying that and then trying to get as much of this march motion stuff done as I possibly could. I will leave it there folks. I uh, hope you guys are doing well. I see that the Russians are still bombing Ukraine. Uh, there's some sort of consternation some sort of question about just what the exit plan is this and I kind of help can't help but think you know Afghanistan just ended last year that's 20 years. Russia was in Afghanistan for 10 years. So, do we start this battle in 2008? Do we start this battle in 2014? Or does this battle just start in 2022? That was sort of another question that I had going through my mind that uh, I'm kind of like, even because there's reports that, you know, the Russian military isn't so, um, you know, strong it's not putting its best foot forward it seems to be rather weak i don't know if i trust that because it has a massive army and there's it just doesn't make sense it doesn't make sense that putin would be sending in troops that are this not well trained this must be the opening volley there's going to be a, a feigned retreat not a retreat but like a backing off and then i wonder if that's when like you know your spetsnaz guys are going to go in there and just shoot everything up so that's sort of what worries me is that there's going to be some sort of complacency on behalf of ukraine and the west the west will stop talking about it in the media which would be even worse because ukraine will say the war is not over they're going to come back and the west is like ah they seem to have left you know and then the next volley of bombs maybe don't get picked up by the mainstream media for whatever reason so that was sort of Going through my mind today as well, Mike. This doesn't, because we're coming up to the seventeen days that I mentioned. That that crucial matter, and the, they've embargoed uh, uh, oil. So there's all these trade sanctions that are going on. I've been watching the markets quite closely lately, uh, and the commodities have been doing well, but um, they seem to be rolling over as well. So is that? So is this sort of the peak? Is that what we're seeing? Uh, and what's sort of the fallout as a result of all this? Something to watch, anyway. Prices of commodities. I know wheat has shot up in the last two weeks because Ukraine is a massive supplier of wheat to Europe and the world. Uh, but uh, oil and gold, I think they got smacked down yesterday or the day before. So, yeah, good question. Good question. If which what would you buy? Did you buy into the Canadian energy uh, stocks? I mean, those have been, those have been doing very well. Something to look into if you uh, if you have access to it anyway. All right, folks, this time I will leave it right there. Thanks for listening. Show notes and tracks up on my website. Hope you guys are uh, warming up out there and staying safe. We'll talk again. Have a good one. Bye-bye.